We started a series a few weeks back on Wednesday night, famous verses from the Bible. We are in the New Testament tonight, and we're looking at one of the most famous verses in the entire Word of God. In fact, this verse is the shortest verse in the entire Word of God. Everybody in this room knows what that verse is. You memorized it. I tell you, you memorized it when, before you were 50 years old. You memorized it. Hopefully you memorized it long before then. Jesus wept. John 11:35, shortest verse in the Bible. It's an amazing verse, and I'm, I'm going to make you stand for the reading of God's Word. Two, ver- two words. Stand. Let's stand. How many know we ought to stand up for Jesus when he weeps? John eleven thirty five. Here it is. Jesus wept. You may be seated. This short verse has the greatest name, and then it has what is called a verb. Jesus saying, Jesus wept. Those that are scholars in English says that it is a conjuncture word, conjunction. And how many know that God wanted to insert that message to the world? That he is a God who cares, a God who loves, and a God that can feel. Aren't you glad our God can feel something? He can feel us. He's a living God. God's made out of stone and wood and silver, cannot feel a thing. This verse being an interjection word, Jesus wept. There's a reason why this verse is the, I think one of the most famous verses in the Bible, and the reason for that is it's short. It's a short verse. It's kind of like preaching. The shorter your sermon, the more people like it. But we need to understand that Jesus wept is so deep. It's such a powerful verse. You could write volumes on the fact that Jesus wept. And what a blessing it is to understand that it, it is famous because it's short. Almost everybody knows what it is, and most people have memorized it because it is the shortest. But this verse is not only famous because it's short, this verse is famous because of where it happened. Jesus wept in the graveyard. Where it happened, he wept in our greatest enemy's face. He wept in the graveyard. There's no lonelier place. There's no more devastating place on planet Earth than a graveyard. When a loved one dies physically, there's not a greater sorrow one can experience than a loved one to die physically and be separated from us. And the Bible says Jesus wept. He wept in that place of great sorrow. Jesus came to the graveyard not only to die and be buried and raise again from the grave, he came to the graveyard to weep. And I contend that him weeping in the graveyard is just as dynamic as his resurrection in the graveyard. Because we're talking about God. This verse is famous because it's short. It's famous because of where it was done. Jesus wept in the graveyard. This verse is famous because who it is that wept. 
God Almighty, Jesus, the Son of God, wept. It's famous because he wept. And, if, and another reason this verse is famous is because it's found down deep in the heart of God. There's something about tears that I want to point out tonight. Did you know tears are salty? Tears are salty. The reason tears are salty is because you have mineral deposits in your body that collect over the years from a baby down to adulthood. And when you cry, those tears are salty because of the minerals that collect in your body. And I want to say today that the world's tears and our tears are salty, not just because of the minerals, but they're salty because of the disappointments and the hurts and the pains that we've had all of our, all of our life. All of our life, I, I know that everyone in this room has cried before. I know that. And you've cried since you were a baby. You've cried in adulthood. I don't think anyone could stand up and say today they've never cried in the last 10 years or the last five years or even probably the last year. You cry. The Bible says that Jesus wept. And what's beautiful is God gives us the, you ask the question, you, know, you stop and look at why is the ocean salty? Why is the sea salty? And it's salty because all the minerals washed from the rivers and the tributaries down into the sea and all the minerals deposit in the sea. The sea is not going anywhere except evaporation into the atmosphere by the sun. And that's why the sea is salty. Because all the deposits and all the impurities end up in the sea. And they're taken there by rivers. And Jesus Christ is our river. He didn't give us a sea. The only sea that Jesus Christ gave us is the sea of forgiveness. The sea, Jesus Christ gave us the sea of forgiveness, the sea of mercy. His loving kindness is vast as the sea. His power is vast as the sea. His forgiveness is vast as the sea. But he gives us in our everyday lives a river. And out of our bellies shall flow, flow rivers of living water. We, the, these rivers flow out the impurities of our life. The river of God flows through us and gives us hope, gives us strength, gives us courage, gives us nourishment, gives us the joy of the Lord in our soul. Amen. Because the rivers is what keeps us clean. The rivers. So someone said, when you cry, the tears come out and it kind of washes out the impurities. Well, that, in some small way, that is true. But you need to understand that when Jesus wept here in John eleven thirty five. The word for wept there means that he bursted out in tears. He burst in tears. He, he wailed in tears. He, 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 he bursted. He, he just, his, his heart, his soul just, just burst. He burst with love. He burst with sorrow in his heart. And he's weeping. I, the word here is weeping uncontrollably. He groaned in his spirit. He wept. Jesus wept. Two words, but it's never been defined to an extent or to its glory that, that it really is. Jesus wept. He burst out in tears. 
Now, someone would ask the question, well, why did he burst out in tears? He knew he was going to raise Lazarus from the dead in just a few minutes. I know he did. But I believe he, I believe he sobbed and wept and burst in tears because he remembered what Lazarus went through to the place of his death. He remembered what Mary and Martha were going through to the place of their brother's death. He remembered that hundreds of millions of people suffer and cry and grieve because of death. He remembered that he let, he let Lazarus down. Lazarus felt like he was betrayed. It hurt Jesus to stay two more days. It hurt Jesus to wait. And you say, well, how do you think it hurt Jesus? Because we have the rest of the story. Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead. But at that juncture, Mary and Martha were, felt very let down by Jesus. And Jesus wept over that. He cried over that. Um, I think about this, how important it is that we understand that God has feelings for you. Did you hear what I said? God has feelings for you. He has deep feelings for you. God cares for you. And he burst into tears. Even knowing that he was going to raise Lazarus from the dead, he burst into tears. Knowing that he was going to call Lazarus out of the grave, knowing that it was going to be okay, he still wept with his brothers and sisters. He still wept with Mary and, Mary and Martha. He still wept. There was weeping in the heart of God. And he began to burst out uncontrollably weeping. Jesus wept. Now, there's a great lesson to learn from this because Jesus knew that he was going to raise Lazarus from the dead, but yet he, he felt this need. Well, in fact, it, the sorrow gripped his heart. You know, we don't think of sorrow gripping God's heart, but sorrow does grip God's heart. We don't think of God as being troubled. Now, I don't mean troubled like we get troubled. I don't mean troubled like, I mean, Jesus wasn't troubled that Lazarus was dead. He was troubled that the condition he was in, he was troubled because this is going to be a great trouble in the world. And one day Jesus not only will weep in the graveyard, but he raised again from the dead in the graveyard. And then he'll return to the graveyard to gather up all those that's wept and were buried in the graveyard. And the dead in Christ shall rise first. And we which are alive and remaining shall be caught up in the clouds and meet the Lord in the air. So shall we ever be with the Lord. The mission of Jesus was clear. He's going to go to the graveyard where Lazarus is and he's going to bring glory to his father. The mission was clear. This sickness is not unto death, but unto the glory of God. The mission was clear. Jesus Christ was going to go there and wake him up, raise him from the dead. He said, I am the resurrection and life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. Whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die, believest thou this. And Martha said, of course I believe that. That I am the resurrection and the light. I want to point out some things that's very important that we see. We need to see the fact that Jesus, when he, when he burst out in tears, Jesus wept. You see, the name Jesus wept. I mean, 
We're talking about Jesus, the Savior of the world. Jesus wept. The name and a verb. The name and Jesus. Jesus wept. It's one thing for James to weep. It's another thing for Chris to weep. It's another thing for you to weep. But for Jesus to weep, God is making a connection with us. I want you to understand that you have a, you grandparents have a deep connection with your chi- grandchildren and your children. You, you parents have connection with your children. Your joy is connected to their joy. Your peace and your wishes and your heart for them is connected to them. I can tell you right now, Carissa and Joel's love and their joy is connected to that little precious baby and their other children's joy because there's a connection. And I want to say right now that God is connected to our joy. He's connected to our sorrow. God is connected to our emptiness. He's connected to our need. God is connected to us. God's not, we don't have a God that's a disconnected God. He's connected with us. He cares about us. He loves us. And that's why Peter said in Peter 5, 7, casting all your care upon him for he careth for you. Isn't that beautiful? That word casting all your care upon him for he careth for you, that word casting is like a nurse. where The nurse takes her baby, the little baby, and puts it up on her shoulder and she pats the little baby because the baby has indigestion or the baby has, has some kind of uh, colic and, and the nurse... Uh, handles that little baby. And, and you know what the little baby does when it gets relieved? <coughs> on, the, on the shoulder. That's why, that's why mothers will put that little blanket, a little scarf, a little cloth over their shoulder because they're depending on that baby upchucking on their shoulder. Amen? I remember Judy used to tell me, you want to birth the baby? I said, I will. And... Um, I, was, I told her the first time I burped one of the babies, well, actually it was Galen, I said, I don't need that piece of paper, I don't need that piece of cloth on my shoulder. <laughs> well, I did need that piece of cloth on my shoulder. The Bible says, casting all your care upon him for he cared for you. That's what he's showing us. You may have a stomach that's soured to the world. You may have colic concerning the world. You may be going through something right now, but snuggle up in the arms of Jesus Christ. Let him caress you. Let him pat you with his loving kindness. Let him touch you and rub your soul and rub your heart and minister to your spirit. And you may release something that is obnoxious and release something that is hellish in your heart and your soul, but Jesus is big enough to take it all upon him and wash you clean by his power and his blood and his compassion. So he means by casting all your care upon him for he cares for you. Jesus wept. This is so deep. Jesus wept. The, the phrase is he pretty much just bursted out in tears. He just, he just pretty much lost it, burst it out in tears. And I want to point out something before we go any further. That was a momentous occasion when Jesus began to burst out in tears. The Bible says he groaned in his spirit. The Bible says that he was troubled. He said, does God get troubled? Yeah, but not like you and I. Does God get sorrowful? Yes, but not like you and I. Does God... In the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus was really exceedingly distressful, even unto death. 
And so we know that there was a time in which Jesus Christ had to get hold of his emotions. Come on, go with me. Follow me here. Jesus bursted out in tears and uncontrollably began to weep, and it says Jesus wept. What was he there to do? He was there to relieve the pain and suffering of Mary and Martha. He was there to raise his friend Lazarus from the grave. What was his mission? His mission was to fulfill the will of God. But he couldn't fulfill the will of God until he got a hold of his emotions. Come on, follow me. He's sobbing. He burst into tears. And Jesus Christ had to get that under control so that he could do what God told him to do, and that is raise Lazarus from the dead. You don't get much done when you're sobbing in tears. But you ever wipe them tears from your eyes and you're ready to fight? You wipe them tears from your eyes and you're ready to go. Amen? And uh, Jesus wiped the tears from his eyes and got a hold of himself and got his composure back. And then he told him to take the stone and roll it away, take it away from the tomb where Lazarus was buried. Four days he was dead already in the grave. And there in that grave, Jesus Christ rolled, they, they take the stone away and Jesus Christ clears not only his throat, but he clears his eyes. He clears not only his throat, but he clears his emotions. Because he said, if I'm going to get this done, I've got to get a hold of myself and I've got to do the will of God. And some of you need to do that in your own life. You, 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 you're too worried about things. You're too stressful about things. You're, you, you, you've been sorrowful about things. And you've got to stop that. You've got to get a hold of yourself so that you can finish the will of God in your life. Amen? Amen. Hello? Hello? Children can't even play when they're crying in the living room. When they're crying and sobbing in the bedroom. Children can't even play. But if they quit crying, off to play and they do. See, crying many times takes control of you in which you are not doing anything. And all it does is attract other people to use that poor thing. And people gather around you because you're crying. And the worst thing could ever happen is when you're crying, people gather around you because you just cry more. And then the people around you start crying. You know, they could have had a crying revival at the graveyard. But Jesus wasn't after a crying revival. He was after a resurrection revival. And so they took the stone away, and Jesus Christ cleared his throat, cleared his tears. and said, Lazarus, come forth. I'm sure you've heard this over and over again. He used Lazarus' name because if he hadn't of, everybody in the graveyard would have came forth. And that's true. But I want to say today that we have a God. You know, there's only one place where Jesus Christ led his, you know, he, 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 he sobbed in the Garden of Gethsemane. Angels came and strengthened him. But there is one place he went where he let the pain accelerate. There's one place he went where he let the tears accelerate. 
There's one place he went when he let all the suffering and all the agonizing accelerate. You know where that was? On the cross of Calvary. Because that was the pivot point. That was ground zero where God was going to bring eternal life to mankind through Jesus Christ going to the cross. Yeah, you're going to shed some tears, Jesus, in the, in the graveyard of Lazarus. Yes, Jesus, you're going to shed some tears over Jerusalem. Yes, Jesus, you're going to shed some tears in the garden of Gethsemane. But when you get to the cross, you're going to take my tears and your tears. You're going to take the world's tears. You're going to take the world's pain. You're going to take the world's suffering. You're going to take the world's uh, uh, agony. You're going to take the world's uh, iniquity. You're going to take the, world, the sin of the whole world and you're going to take it on the cross of Calvary to the place you cannot bear another moment of pain and burning sorrow and you're going to feel the rejection of your father and then you're going to die alone on the cross separated from your God and you're going to weep and you're going to cry and you're going to die. But that was all the will of the Father. That was the plan of God. And so Jesus is put in a tomb like any other person that's died, and he's put in that tomb there to rot and there to be buried. And no one thought he was coming up. Jesus told him over and over and over again, I'm coming up the third day. The disciples didn't even believe it. Jesus told him over and over again, destroy this body in three days. Destroy this temple in three days. I'll raise it up again. And they thought he spoke of the temple of, the, of, of Jerusalem, but he, he spoke of his body and people didn't get a grasp of it. Aren't you glad? When Jesus Christ came up out of the grave, he looked up all the doubters and unbelievers. He went to his disciples. He said, here I am. Look at me. I conquered death. You know, if I were Jesus, and I'm not, I'm glad Jesus lives in me, but if, if I'd have been Jesus when I rose again from the grave, you know what I'd have done? The Bible says he spent the first 40 days gathering the scattered sheep. He spent the first 40 days bringing Peter and James and John, his brother James and all them back together. And he was seen of 500. He was seen of 100. He was seen of the disciples, seen of uh, Peter and seen of James. And, you know, there was a miraculous resurrection. He was seen by many people. It was infallible proofs that Jesus Christ arose from the grave. But you know what I'd have done if it had been me? And I'm glad that it wasn't me, but... If I'd have been Jesus, I'd have went and found that Roman soldier that beat me. And I'd said, how do I look? I'd have went and found Herod and Pilate. And I'd said, how do I look? Oh, I'd have rubbed it in. But see, he didn't go to the unbelievers. He went to the believers. And tonight he's going to believers, he's going to you and I, and he's refreshing our minds that Jesus Christ did conquer death, hell, and the grave. He did raise again from the grave. The sinless one, the pure one, the holy one, the one that wept in the graveyard, the one where it says Jesus wept and there he cried salty tears from the disappointments and the agony of death and the grave and the problems of earth. He cried out because why? You and I are the salt of the earth, but Jesus was the saltiest of the earth. Matthew 5, verse 13. So I think about this. Jesus Christ arose from the grave. And then 
we can go back and we can remember that we have a high priest that we can touch. Isn't that good? I'm going to show you one more place and then I'll be done with the message. Can you believe that? Well, it's a short verse. Give me a break. You preacher, I want you to preach longer. Now, you know, Chuck Krause always wanted me to, but not you. Hebrews. Look at Hebrews chapter 4, verse 15 and 16. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 15 and 16. I love this. This is beautiful. You see, our joy, our victory is attached to his. We got to get a hold of our emotion if we're going to ever achieve what God wants us to do. And the best place for you to get a hold of your emotion is to the one that wept in the graveyard, Jesus Christ. Jesus wept. Because the one who wept in the graveyard, Jesus, not just any man, Jesus, our great high priest. Not just any man, Jesus, the Son of God. Jesus wept. By the way, he did raise Lazarus from the grave. But notice what it says in verse 15 and 16, chapter 4 of Hebrews. For we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities. That's pretty cool. We can touch God. But was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. He went through all the hell. He went through all the suffering. Went through all the death without sin. And then it says, because he suffered and because he died on the cross of Calvary and because he ever lived to make intercession for you and I, because he rose again from the grave, because he died and suffered on the cross of Calvary, because Jesus wept. Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. You see, we all want to make our connection with God through faith. The Bible is very clear that the just shall live by faith and walk by faith, live by faith. The Bible is very clear in Hebrews eleven six. it is impossible without faith, it is impossible to please him for they that come to God must believe in that he is a reward, that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Faith is a, faith is a must. But I want you to know sometimes people come to Jesus and they don't have faith. They've got pain. They've got sorrow. You see, what happens if they don't have faith and they come to Jesus Christ with their pain and sorrow? Well, it's reversed. Jesus has faith for them. It's reversed. Jesus touches them. They can't touch Jesus. Remember the, where was it, the First chapter of Mark where the leper cried and said, Lord, if thou wilt, thou can make me clean. And there he cried at the feet of Jesus, and Jesus Christ said, I will. He stretched out his hand and touched him and said, be thou clean, I will, be thou clean. That man didn't have really much faith. He came to Jesus, but Jesus reached out because Jesus had love for him. He had, he had compassion for him. Isn't that beautiful? The truth is, if it wasn't for the compassion of God, we'd all still be lost. 
Truth is, if it wasn't for the passion of God, America would have done been destroyed. If it wasn't for the passion of God, the grace, the compassion of God, we'd all be down, distraught. But the Bible says, if you will come to the throne, if you, you know, we have not a high priest that cannot be, t- I realize this connects us to Christians, but I want you to know sometimes a Christian can get so beat down, so troubled, that they say, you know, I'm not what I should be and, and get so beat down. And, and what we see is we have not a high priest that cannot be touched with our infirmities. In other words, we can go to Jesus and we can tell Jesus we are having a rotten day. We can. And I want you to know today we need to give our heart to Jesus and let the Spirit of God move in our heart. Stand with me. Everybody, everybody say with me, Jesus wept. Jesus wept. Yeah, praise the Lord. Chris, come on, bring a song. Jesus wept. What in a tremendous statement. Jesus wept. Awesome God, wonderful Savior. Our God is awesome. And Jesus is the salt, not only of earth, he's the salt of my life. He's the blessing of my life. And we yield to him and trust him. Are you going through something today? Remember Jesus wept. That's a deep verse, isn't it? That's a small verse, the smallest verse in the Bible. But boy, is that verse deep. It's deeper than the salt he sees. It's deeper than all of our pain and agony. agony. Jesus wept. Knowing that what he was going to do, God knows what he's going to do for us. But yet he feels our sorrow on our journey home. Amen? Praise God. Go ahead, Chris.